Before we study God's word together, let's spend some time in prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we've gathered to praise you because you alone are worthy of our worship. And as we see you, we confess our sins to you. Those things we said and did and thought and left undone, Lord, forgive us. We came to thank you. Thank you for giving us life. Thank you for saving us. We, we came to sing to you. We came to give gifts to you. We came to thank you. And Lord, we came to worship because we need you. You know our needs. Lord, I meet our needs. And Lord, we're here because we're hungry. So forgive the one who speaks. And Holy Spirit, fall fresh. And as we study your word, feed us. Feed us the bread of life. Quench our thirst with living water. Lord, we're praying for revival. We need it. Your people need it. Our nation needs it. Will you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Lord, may we leave here rejoicing that we know Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen. It's always good to know why we gather together. And so our purpose as a church is to make disciples together. And at goodness, we believe that disciple making begins and ends with evangelism. And that means we all start as lost people. And uh, when we're lost, someone shares the gospel with us and we put our faith in Christ. And so we rejoice this week that two people who had once been one to Christ got a chance to lead someone else to faith in Christ. And let's rejoice with that. And I tell you something that's really got me excited is last year we had 21 people lead someone to faith in Christ. And this year, I've been praying we would double that, that we would go from 21 to 42. And my math's not really good, but so far this year, we know of 41 people who've led someone to faith in Christ. So we're so close. And maybe you'll pray, and maybe you could be that person who, who wins someone to faith in Christ that would enable us in one year to double the number of people who come to faith in Christ. This week, I was with some uh, people I'm training as disciple makers, and... Um, this couple was sharing how they had some people working in their yard. And so they took advantage of that to share the gospel with them. And they, they asked one man, do you know you're going to heaven? And he said, I have a pretty good, you know, I got a good shot at it. And they said, well, how confident are you? And he said, well, I'm 80% sure I'm headed there on a good day. And when I'm having a bad day, I'm 40% sure. Do you know where you're going? I mean... Can you imagine this? You get on a plane and the pilot says, this plane's going to Los Angeles and on a good day, we have an 80% chance of getting there. <laughs> but sometimes when I drink too much and, and don't sleep much, we have a 40% chance of getting there. Are you riding on the plane? Everybody's exiting, right? I love to tell people the amount of preparation we put into something should be in direct proportion to the certainty of that event. That the amount of preparation we put into something should be in direct proportion to the certainty of that event. And there are people all over our country who have no idea where they're going to spend eternity. And if that's you, I want you to know 
we're all going to die. And, and it could be today in a car accident, and it could be 10 years from now or 90, but we're all going to die, and we're going to die prepared or unprepared. And I'm, what I'm praying for you is that you would die prepared, and that's what we're going to talk about today. You see, Jesus says to us, come fly with me. Come fly with me. If you will fly on my plane, we have a 100% chance of getting to heaven. Wouldn't you like to get on a plane like that? And you know what else he promises us? He says, I will not lose one. I mean, if there was a way to know for certain where you would spend eternity, wouldn't you want to know so that we could enjoy life? Because once we know where we're going to spend eternity, then we can enjoy life because we're not afraid of dying. And also we have really good news to share with the people around us who are afraid. So Jesus says, come fly with me. And that's what the point of the message is today, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He says, listen, come fly with me, okay? We're, we're almost through with a series called, Who Does Jesus Think He Is? Who Does Jesus Think He Is? And we've heard that Jesus has an amazing view of himself, right? We've been walking through the seven great I Ams in John, and Jesus has said to us, I am the bread of life, <clears throat> and I am the light of the world, and I am the door, and I am the good shepherd, and I'm the resurrection and the life. And today we're going to look at I am the way and the truth and the life. We'll finish next week with I am the vine. Then we'll have two, two bonus I am's in John, and then we'll be at Christmas. Oh, we're going to have an amazing Christmas Eve service. Who are you going to invite? Who are you going to bring to come and, and hear about Jesus? So now we're ready. John 14. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn there with me. And if you don't, uh, won't you bring a Bible? Do you know this book's all about Jesus? And if you'd like to know him, come and see him with us. And so we're going to start reading in John 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And so I want to equip you to know how to read the Bible and how to study the Bible. And so if we want to understand the Bible and we read a passage, one of the things we want to know is how does this verse fit into the Bible as a whole and what is the context of this verse? So John 14 is a part of John 13 through 18 that's all one night. Did you know that John 13 through 18 is all one night? In that last week, in what we might call Holy Week, it was Thursday night. In a few hours, Jesus is going to be on the cross. And John 13 is so good. Do you know how it begins? It says, Jesus loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. Don't you love that? That Jesus loved his own. He loved his disciples, and he loved them to the end. And I don't know about you, but I want that to be my story. But you know what? He loved his wife, and he loved her to the end. And, and he loved his children, and he loved his grandchildren, and he loved them to the end. And you know, he loved the people in his church, and he loved them to the end. You know, that's why I hang around Jesus, because I want to be like him, don't you? He loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. And then do you know what he did? The Creator. The Creator washed the dirty feet of proud sinners. 
And do you know, he even washed the feet of Judas, saying, it's not too late, it's not too late. He washed Judas' feet. And then he took the elements of the Passover and he instituted the Lord's Supper. This is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you. And then he said, where I am going, you cannot go, but, um, but you'll come later. And don't you love Peter? Speak first, think later. And Peter says, well, why can't I follow you now? I'm willing to die for you. And you remember what Jesus told him? Before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And uh, I want you to know that shook the rest of the apostles. It shook the, who, was the, who was the spokesman for the apostles? Peter was, wasn't he? Who, who, loved, who loved Jesus more than anybody? Peter, listen, who was the most courageous of all the apostles? Peter, and if Peter, if Peter was going to deny Jesus, what was going to happen to the rest of us, they were thinking? That's why we read, do not let your heart be troubled, because their hearts were troubled. If Peter's going to deny him, what about the rest of us? Um, do you know that's the most repeated command in the Bible? Do not be anxious, don't fear, don't worry. It's, it's in the Bible about 365 times. You know why? Because a lot of us worry, and we worry because a lot of things can go wrong. And then he gives us the cure, the cure for worry. Uh, believe in God, believe also in me. And the belief there is in the present tense in the Greek, which means the cure for troubled hearts is to keep on believing. Keep on believing in God. Keep on believing in me. Oh, and uh, I love this. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Oh, did you know that our Father, that our Father has a big, big house? Did you know that? With lots and lots of room. And you know what? He wants a big, big house family. He wants his house filled with people from all over the world. He has a big house with lots of room, and he wants it filled with people. And Jesus says, I'm going to prepare that place for you. You know how much Jesus loves you and me? What he's saying is he's about to go to the cross to prepare that place for us. He's about to die for our sins. And then after he dies, he would rise three days later, right? And then he would appear to his disciples over a period of 40 days, right? And then when he ascended into heaven, a few days later, he would pour out the Holy Spirit and his church would be birthed. And the disciples began to make disciples to begin to make disciples. And that's why we're here today, so that we can be a part of filling up the Father's house with people. Um, our hearts long for what was there in the beginning. Our first parents had a person and a place. They walked with God on earth, and, and there was paradise on earth, and our hearts long for a person and a place. And that's what Jesus says, if I go and prepare a place for you, our hearts long for a place. We long for earth, where everything sad and broken becomes untrue, and one day it will be true again. I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also." Our hearts long for a person and a place. And when we believe in Jesus, we get a person to do life with, right? We get a friend. But our hearts long not only for a friend and a person for a place, and one day it will be true. Jesus is preparing that place. Don't you want to be there? 
You can, you know. You really, really can. That's why I love the serenity prayer. You know what the serenity prayer says? With Jesus, we can be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy in the life to come. Isn't that good? The reason we're reasonably happy in this life is because we're doing life with the person we want to. The reason we'll be supremely happy in the place in the life to come is because then we'll have the person and place that our hearts so long for. And Jesus says, and you know the way where I'm going. I mean, come on, the way's right in front of them, right? But Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Oh, how do we know the way? Oh, and Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Notice what Jesus says. He says, I am. And when Jesus was saying that, he was claiming to be God because that's God's name, right? God's name is I am. What are you saying? I am God in, in the flesh is right in front of you. And then notice the definite article is there three times. I am the way and the truth and the life. He doesn't say I am a way among many. He didn't say I am a truth among many. I am a life among many. No, he says I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I want you to notice the emphasis. The emphasis is on the way. Because that's the question. Thomas says, how do we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way. And uh, here's what he's meaning. I am the way because I'm the truth. I'm the truth. Gospel means what? Say it confidently. It's good news. It's good news. It's not good moral advice. Advice. Jesus is saying, I'm the way because I'm the truth. He really did live and die and rise. It's truth. It's not just wishful thinking. It's truth. I am the way to God because I'm the truth and the life. I'm the one that gives life, life that's abundant and eternal. And in case you missed it, he repeats it again, right? And comes back and says what? No one comes to the Father but through me. So Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, people today say, but that's, that's so narrow. How can there be one way? And I want you to know when people say that, it's because they do not understand the gospel. They do not understand the bad news nor the good news of the gospel because when we understand the gospel, the bad news and the good news, we are amazed and how gracious and how inclusive the gospel is. Let me show you that with the bad news. The bad news is in verse 6, isn't it? See where it says what? No one comes to the Father but through me. Do you know what the gospel says? It says, cheer up, we are much worse than we think we are. Oh, listen, we are much, much worse. That's what the gospel teaches, and that's why there's only one way to God, because we're what? much worse than we ever imagined. Let me show you in Romans 5. I'm going to show you three things about ourselves, about the bad news. Um, Romans 5, verse 6, for while we were still, help me, what? Helpless, while we were helpless. The reason Jesus is the only way is because we are, what, we're helpless. That means we can't save ourselves, right? For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for thee. So what we've learned so far is we're helpless. That's why Jesus is the only way. We've also learned that we're ungodly. We're not like God. Verse 8, 
But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet... So we've learned three things, right? The reason we can't save ourselves is we're sinners who were ungodly and helpless. Um, The late R.C. Sproul said about the word sinners, he said, we are not sinners because we sin, but we sin because we're sinners. That's our nature. Uh, One of our new members this week, I was having lunch with him, and there was a homeless guy out front, and and he, he asked for change, and he says, I don't have any change, but you can have lunch with us. So we're having lunch. We're having lunch, and, and the, the, this, the new member, he, he shared the gospel with his homeless, and he did such a good job. He started with the bad news, and he asked this guy, he says, have you ever told a lie? You know what he said? No. <laughs> and this guy and me, I'd never heard that. So he says, ever? And he said, no. So he tried again. He says, have you ever stolen anything your whole life? And the guy said, no. And he said, are you kidding? No. And, and, and then, I mean, he's a guy. He's talking to a guy, okay? So he says, have you ever had a lustful thought? And the guy said, no. So I thought I would try and help, and I said, like growing up, did you ever disobey your parents? And he said, no. So if he had never sinned before that lunch, there were four lies there, right? <laughs> I mean, have you ever told a lie? I have, what does that make you? And if you ever stolen anything, I have, what does that make you? A thief, you know? Listen, we've all sinned against God. It's universally true. And because we're sinners, the Bible says we're ungodly. We're not like God. And God is just and must punish sin. And he says what we deserve is hell, and we're helpless to save ourselves. The reason that Jesus is the way is because we are sinners, ungodly, helpless, and condemned. Oh, but listen, the good news is so good. The good news is in John 14, 6, isn't it? He says, I'm the way. I'm the way. He doesn't say try harder, do better. He says, I'm the way. And I want you to understand why Jesus is the way. Jesus is unique. The reason he's the way is he's God made man. He's the only one in his class. He's fully God and fully man. That's why he's the way. He came into the world in a unique way. He was born of a virgin, right? (laughs) So, He was born of a virgin, and so he had an earthly mother, and the Holy Spirit conceived him in the womb, right? Now, here's how my wife figures this, okay? So Jesus had a mother, but he didn't have a father, and so he had a human nature, but it wasn't sinful human nature. So where do we get our sinful human nature from, huh? From our dad, right? But the reason Jesus is unique is he's virgin born. He's different from you and me, fully God and fully man. You know what makes him unique? He was perfect. He said, I always do the things that are pleasing to my Father. Would you say that? I would never say that, would you? That's why he's the only way. He lived a perfect life, and he lived it for us, right? He claimed it. His enemies couldn't bring a charge against him. And remember what Peter said? I'm not Peter, what Pilate said? What did Pilate say? I find No guilt in this man. Why is Jesus unique? He's fully God and fully man. He's virgin born. He lived a perfect life. Therefore, he could do for us what no one else could. He could die for our sins. Um, 
Who do you think wanted to make more sure that going to the cross was the only way for people to be saved? Who do you think wanted to know that the most? Jesus. So what do we find Jesus doing later that night? Later that Thursday night, what's he doing? He's in the garden, right? And what's he praying? Father, if there's any other way for you to save your people other than me going to the cross and drinking the cup of God's wrath, if there's any other way, let me know. And the Father said what? There's no other way. So Jesus laid down his life for you and me because there was no other way. Oh. Do you know what people are saying when there's other ways? They're saying that Jesus, what, that he died for nothing. He didn't need to. But the Father said, you need to. And Jesus loved you and so me so much, he went to the cross to provide the way. Back to Romans 5. <clears throat> for while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Our sins placed on Jesus, right? And he died for our sins in full. He's the only one who could do that because he was the only sinless one. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'll never forget seeing my sin and seeing Jesus and realizing he did that for me. Christ died for our sins to provide the way, right? He cried out from the cross, it's finished. He died. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. Why is he the only way? Because he's the one who walked out of the grave, proving he had conquered sin and death, because death is the penalty for sin. And when Jesus walked out, he proved he had conquered sin and death, and he could offer to us eternal life. That's a free gift. And what is eternal life? It is the forgiveness of our sins, past, present, and future. Have you ever done anything you'd like to be forgiven of? That's what he offers us. He offers us the chance to do life and eternity with him. Listen, that's what eternal life is. It's forgiveness. It's the chance to do life and eternity with him. And how do we get this, through, this gift? We get it through faith. Did you hear what Jesus said? I am the way. We put our faith in him. And the truth, we put our faith in him. And the life, we put our faith in him because no one comes to the Father but through me. Listen, one day it'll be too late. And if you've never done this, won't you put your faith in him today? Listen, putting our faith in Jesus really is as simple as A, B, C, where we admit and believe and commit. There was a day in my life where having seen Jesus, I saw myself and saw my sin, and I admitted to Jesus, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. And if you've never done that, won't you? And then I said, Jesus, I believe. You died on the cross for my sins and rose, won't you? And then I committed. Jesus, I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me. And he did, won't you? And I want you to give me eternal life. And he did, won't you? Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life and help me. Help me be the person you want me to be. Won't you do that? And if you have... Jesus says, I am the way. 
and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Listen, when we see our sin and we see what Jesus has done for us, we're amazed at how gracious God is, how inclusive he is, that any sinner who admits they're a sinner is welcome into God's family. How gracious and inclusive is that? Wow. You want some good news? There is a way. There is a way for sinners to be forgiven. There is a way for sinners to do life and eternity with God. And when we understand that, it should thrill our hearts. It should motivate us to move out to others and share with them the good news. Because I think a lot of us, we're kind of uncomfortable with this passage because it's so against our time. And so I'm going to illustrate for you over and over again how gracious the gospel is. How, how inclusive the gospel is so that our hearts are filled with the wonder that we're welcomed in God's family and we're propelled out to share how inclusive the gospel is. <clears throat> Let me tell you about two country clubs, okay? There's two country clubs. In one country club, it costs a lot of money to get in, so you have to be wealthy to get in. But the other country club, someone paid the entrance, the membership dues. And, and anyone who wants to get into the country club can get in for free. Which one is inclusive? Which one? You guys awake? The one that's free, right? But what is religion? Isn't religion like saying that it's expensive to get in, to get into the country club? You have to be good. If you're good enough, you can get in. Are you good enough? Man, I'm not. Do you know what the gospel says? Everyone who admits they're a sinner is welcomed in God's family. That's my only hope. How inclusive is the gospel? 1 Timothy 1.15 It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Jesus didn't come to help good people get better. He came to save sinners like me and like you. Listen, to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Do you know why I'm so thankful to know Jesus? He's my only hope. With religion, I don't stand a chance. I don't stand a chance of being good enough to get into heaven. But Jesus says, all we need to do is to admit we're flawed and we're welcomed in. How gracious, how inclusive. Two country clubs. How about a boat? Uh, you get in a boat, you go offshore, you want to go fishing, right? You're 20 miles offshore, you're 20 miles offshore, your boat starts to sink. There's no way you can swim to shore, right? I mean, you're 20 miles out, you call for help, and the Coast Guard sends one helicopter. Do you say, just one helicopter? You just sent one? When they lower the basket, do you say you don't get in because you say it's just one helicopter? Wouldn't you be thrilled out of your mind that you would have died and the helicopter came and the basket lifts you to safety? Wouldn't you say, thank you, thank you, thank you, wouldn't you? That's my story. Isn't it yours? Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. My boat was sinking and I was headed to hell and Jesus rescued me. How gracious the gospel is. Two country clubs, a boat that sinks. How about a debt? 
what if you had a $100 million debt and there's no way you could pay it back? You say, well, how could you have a $100 million debt? What, what, what if you were in the hospital for a month or two, huh? You'd be pretty close, wouldn't you? How could you ever pay it back? What if someone stepped up and paid your bill? They paid a $100 million debt. Would you say just one person offered to do that? Would you? Or wouldn't you just be blown out of your mind that someone was willing to pay your debt? Isn't that the gospel, that we had a debt we couldn't pay? Um, listen to this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. Life was pretty good in heaven, you know? And, and he laid that aside to rescue you and me. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. The moment we believe our $100 million debt of our sins is forgiven. But wait, there's more. Because if he paid our debt, we would be what? Broke. We wouldn't have any money. We wouldn't be in debt but we wouldn't have any money. But then he infuses $100 million into our bank account so that now we're rich. That's the gospel. It's double imputation. Our sins are imputed to him and his righteousness given to us so that our standing before God is not just we're forgiven, we're beautiful in God's sight. How gracious is that? Two country clubs, <laughs> a boat that sinks, a huge debt, how about if we had a kidney that quit working and we were going to die unless someone was willing to give us a kidney? And what if someone loved you enough to offer you one of his kidneys? Would you say just one person's willing to give me their kidney? Or would you be staggered? that someone loved you enough to give you their kidney and save your life. Isn't that what the gospel says? That we had a fatal disease, and if he didn't enter in, we were going to die. Um, Jesus is eating with sinners, and he's criticized. And in Mark 2, verse 17, And hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Once we realize we're sick, we realize the bad news, then the good news is incredibly good that Jesus came to rescue sinners, right? Oh, two country clubs, a boat that sings, a huge debt, um, a kidney. Now let's move from what, you know, just stories. How about reality? How about, remember the 33 Chilean miners? You remember the story, right? 33 Chilean miners, the shaft uh, collapses, they're trapped 2,000 feet below the ground. Is there any way they could dig their way out? There's no way. If they were to be saved, help would have to come from what? Above. It would have to come from above, and they, they would need to, to deal, dig a new shaft down to rescue them, and they did. Do you know when, when, when they dug the shaft, they dug just one? Do you think any of the miners, when they were lifted up through the shaft, you think any of them said, just one? And it was so narrow. They were trapped. They would have died. The people of above never stopped. They dug a tunnel and they saved them one by one. 
Isn't that John 14, 6, isn't it? That we were trapped, we were sinners, we were ungodly, we were helpless and condemned. And Jesus dug a tunnel down and he lifts us to the Father. And when, and when our hearts understand the bad news of the gospel and the good news of the gospel, listen, we are so amazed at how gracious God is, that God is so gracious that even I can go to heaven and you too. And that not only fills our heart with joy, but it sends us out to share that with others. So, so far we've learned that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And now we come to our action step for this week. And what I want you to do is to drop the J-bomb on someone this week. You know what the J-bomb is. It's, it's the name, the name that's above every name, right? It's the name of Jesus, right? I mean, you know, in polite circles, you can talk about God. And you can talk about being spiritual, but something happens, right? When you name the name, when you say Jesus. You don't believe that? Okay, you're at some public gathering and they ask someone to pray. And if you're anything like me, you're listening and the whole time you're wondering, are they going to do it? Are they going to do it? Are they going to drop the J-bomb? And some people, they just stay away from that and they just pray and they say amen, right? And some people, they get close, right? I mean, they're not quite courageous enough, and they'll, they'll pray, what, in your name. Uh, and then you see someone who crosses the pain line, right? And right out there in public, they say, in Jesus' name. How in the world can we be ashamed of his name when he's not ashamed of us? And so what I want you to do is to drop the J-bomb. You say, what is that? Listen, it's John 14, 6, isn't it? I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. When we name his name, there is hunger and there is hostility, right? What is the J-bomb? It's Peter and John in Jerusalem. Just a few days, just a few days after Jesus was crucified and, and now the religious leaders have arrested them. And they dropped the J-bomb in the presence of those who had killed Jesus. Acts 4.12. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Do you know why we drop the J-bomb? Because it's the name. It's the only name that people must hear and proclaim to be saved. And so let me ask you, has it been a while since in public you dropped the J-bomb? Has it been a while? I, I, I want to help you get there. I want to help you get there, okay? And uh, here's how we get there. We need to drop the J-bomb in our own hearts first so that our hearts are blown up. And then we move out and drop it in others. Let me illustrate. This week I'm gathered with some people that, that I'm discipling, and, and one guy says, smiling, this week I was in a restaurant. And when I looked out the window, I saw a Florida rainbow. It was amazing. You know a Florida rainbow from one horizon to the other. He said it was clear. It was amazing. And I went out and I saw it. And then I went back in. I told the server and everybody's, come and see the rainbow. Come and see it. It's amazing. It goes from horizon to horizon. A lot of us haven't seen Jesus for a while. That's why we don't invite others to come and see him. Oh, if we're going to drop the J-bomb, 
on others. We need to do it in our own hearts too. And so I encourage you this week, when, this week when you get up, come and see Jesus. Come and see him. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Meet Jesus and thank him. You're the way. You're the way for sinners, condemned, helpless people to live forever. You're the way. You're the truth. You really lived and died and rose. You're the truth. You are the life. You give life. Doing life with you is life. <laughs> um, I love the story, don't you, when Jesus said some difficult things and uh, many of his followers left and, and then Jesus said to the rest of the apostles, are you, are you guys going to leave too? Remember what Peter said? Where are we going to go? You have words of eternal life. Hey, folks, listen, we're all going to die. Where are you going to go? Only Jesus can get us safely home. He's the life. Oh, every morning when I get up and have breakfast with Jesus, every morning I pray this. I pray Philippians 1, 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because I realize every day I could die that day. And, and, and then I rejoice because I can't lose. I'm a Christian. Jesus is my life. So if I live, it's about enjoying him and dropping the J-bomb on others. And if I die, I get to go and be with him. Oh. So this week, Let's get up. Let's come and see Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And I tell you, if you see him, you'll be compelled to go out to others and say, come and see Jesus. Come, come and see what I saw this week. I saw Jesus. He's the way. There is a way for sinners that are condemned and helpless. There's a way for ungodly people to be saved. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He really did live and die and rise. He's the truth. He's the life. Oh. Won't you invite others? Won't you come and fly with Jesus with me, won't you? If you'll fly with Jesus, you won't have a 40% chance of getting there. You won't have an 80% chance of getting there. You'll have 100%. He will not lose one. Oh, dear people, is there anyone like Jesus? If you've forgotten what he looks like, oh, this week, come. Come and see Jesus. Come and see him. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And then go grab the people you know and invite them to come and see him with you. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that you are the way. You're the truth. You're the life. Thank you that you died on the cross and rose to provide a way for sinners to be forgiven and do life and eternity with you. And li listen, if you're here and you've never received this gift, won't you do that while there's still time? I mean, Jesus is here. Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I, I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Well, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark that on your card? And We'd love to celebrate with you. 
And Jesus, I pray for all of us who know you that, that today we've had a chance to come and see you, to come and see you, Lord. And as we go out, may we go out rejoicing that we know you. And may we feel compelled to invite others to come and see you. And Lord, I pray each day when you invite us to have breakfast with you that we would come and see you, that you're the way, you're the truth, you're the life we can't lose because we know you, to live as Christ and to die as gain, and that we would go out into a world filled with troubled people and invite them to come and see you. Say, there's no one like Jesus. You've got to come and see Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.